0: This episode is powered by Safety FM.
1: This is Sheldon Primus, the host of the Safety Consultant Podcast. During this time, we've all been tightening our belts because of COVID-19. I have been as well. Recently, I've found cost-effective alternative to some of the services and programs that I was using, such as email marketing, hosting services and even one of my favorites, teachable. Visit sheldonprimus.com backslash resources for special offers to help you reduce your business overhead. If you're hosting a podcast or want to host a podcast, then visit sheldonprimus.com backslash hosting for a knockout deal. Don't give up on your dream. Get smarter on the back end of your business. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. And I teach you the business of being a safety consultant in this podcast. And this week, we are actually going to talk to uh, someone that is with Yellowbird. So Michelle Tinsley, who is the COO of Yellowbird, we talk about just consulting in general. We also talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just what their product is, their services is. Uh, we go through some of that. We even talk a little bit about COVID-19 and services that can be coming from that. Uh, she is coming from a marketing background like I am. So we do talk a little bit about marketing in itself and in its pure form, uh, which I see that their company is doing, which is awesome. Uh, She gives me a little background as to what they look like as an organization and then their vision, their future of how they're going to branch out into all of the environmental health and safety field and possibly into other things. So it was a good conversation that me and Michelle had. Uh, We even talked a little bit about. some of the things that as a consultant you might have, which is called imposter syndrome, meaning that you feel, I'm not good enough. I'm not the one who should be doing this. Maybe someone else is better at this than me. So she gives some tips on that as well. So had a great, great time, good conversation. And I think you guys are going to get a, a blast for two, so that you'll be able to understand a little bit more about the being a safety consultant and then also being a part of a team of consultants and then now there's agencies for consultants so that's awesome so we uh, we have gone through all that so i just want to introduce you to michelle tinsley so hang out after a word from the sponsor and we will get a good understanding of what yellowbird does for you
0: Do you want to be a safety consultant?
1: I will tell you on your particular course, there was better information in that particular regards than the other consulting course that was more of a generalist form. But I figure I felt like I got more information out of yours on you giving people a direct path on what to do step by step. But I really think that you have a genuine good product there that can really assist people if they're interested in becoming a safety consultant.
0: Register for the Safety Consultant Blueprint at WWE. WD- www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com Enter code PODCAST for a special
2: discount.
1: I am just so excited. Thank you so much for for uh, coming on board and, and you know let me interview you. I've seen Michael do all the interviews. I'm like, hold on. where not there a Michelle in there? <laughs> What's going on? Well,
0: he gets into it, and I was like, I did a ton of press with Intel, so I was like, I have my chance. I did Wall Street Journal, I was on Fox and Friends, I I, I was like, it's, it's something I can do, but I don't need to do, so if it, you know, gets him excited, then go for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You've been there, done that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, go ahead, uh, if you can, introduce yourself and, and a little bit about the business for me.
0: Okay, my name is Michelle Tinsley, and I'm the co-founder and chief operating officer at Yellowbird. Yellowbird is an on-demand matching platform for environmental health and safety workers with businesses who need that on demand.
1: Excellent. Um, And you say co-founder. So uh, tell us about the team and, and how you guys meet.
0: Um, basically, I was a free agent last summer, was in between things and decided that the path I wanted to pursue with my career at this point was to co-found another company. Um, I just left a leadership role as CEO at a fintech startup. And I was introduced to Michael Zell through the Coplex Incubator. He'd already signed up a month earlier for going through that program. yeah. And I had been a mentor of many Coplex startups for about two years at that point. Um, so when I met with him, um, no. Knowing that he needed a co-founder, we just really hit it off personality-wise. He's more visionary than I am and um, has kind of a complementary skill set. And our backgrounds kind of came together to where we felt like this we could be a really strong team, you know, in starting a company. Um, I admitted to him I... Uh, value safety and I've seen amazing safety dynamics and culture at Intel. I was there for 26 years Um, but I personally never had, you know, worked as a safety practitioner and he said, that's okay. You know, you can learn enough about the industry. We're here to really bring the amazing people together. We're not here to obviously do the jobs ourselves. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, based on my financial background, my marketing skill set, strategy and product, he really wanted that brought into the company where he's super strong on sales
1: and has been a company founder before Wow, so um, I've got a business partner myself so I know that uh, sometimes you've, you've got these ebb and flow of ideas and it's almost like you're uh, you know, pitching and catching with uh, different thoughts and, and then when you're ready to go big and branch out, you know, that's another uh, conversation too so can you lead us through bootstrapping to, uh, to where you currently are?
0: Absolutely. So we pretty quickly within the first week added our third kind of foundational employee, which was Chad Ortega Smith. Um, he came from the military and then had been a consulting um practitioner on, on company strategy he brings with him a lot of HR skills um, and people management skills from having been in the service and the three of us kind of became a three-person team for the entire first six months Wow! Um, we, we by that way kept our cash burn low and uh, we we kind of focused our roles we're using a framework called the entrepreneurial operating system it's a pretty well-known um, system out there that's it starts with the book called rocket fuel um, but from that someone like a Mike will go out and be facing externally and go out and raise our funds and then I will focus more inwardly on setting up the processes going out and in the case of when we're in the incubator interviewing prospective customers we spent a good three four months making sure that even this idea we had was going to really work go talk to prospective safety folks and see if they'd have the appetite for joining a platform like this later in those interviews walking them through mock-ups of the website to get feedback on were we asking too many questions for onboarding, not enough how do we um, overcome some of the concerns or fears that people may have around procuring a service like this? Similarly, we went and interviewed prospective paying customers, companies, and said, you know, what would you be worried about? And, you know, they told us, well, you got to ensure good quality. I'd want to make sure these people were background checked. I want to make sure that there's insurance policies covering. This. So our customers were kind of feeding us the requirements as we were going via these um, deep interviews. And by doing that, we really ensured a good product market it fit. We launched our minimum viable platform in November and we started because we're a two-sided platform. We started because it's chicken and egg, you know, which do you start (laughs) on getting the revenue in or getting the pros on board? Yeah. And we said, let's build the inventory first. So we gave ourselves kind of the random goal of can we hit 50 people by the end of 2019 and the answer was yes we, we ended up on january 1st of 2020 with 52 pros somewhere in the process i think we had about 15 or 20 that were all the way through and match ready and so in january we said now we're ready to turn on revenue if somebody phones us with any kind of safety order we're going to be able to fulfill that we don't want to have to scramble and take two weeks to say yes yeah, um, and so sure enough, we started having our first revenue jobs come through in January. It kept going in February, things were rocking and rolling, and then COVID hit, which was a giant disaster for
1: us. Yeah, I can imagine because uh, you know I'm still an active consultant, so my business changed quite a bit. Uh, personally, me, I've I was um, I was already going uh, digital as much as I can, except for the training component. Uh, well, even the training component, I was trying to do digital, but I had many, you know, online classes that I also did physically, so the yes. physical class is just like, <laughs> like it dropped off. I like, uh-oh. Yeah, we
0: had four revenue jobs planned for March, three of which were in-person trainings mm-hmm. that could not go virtual. Forklift safety, um, CPR, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, ergonomics. We tried to move the ergonomics online, really didn't get many takers. Yep. Um, and then we also had a very large engagement starting in another part of the United States, Um, where our professional was quarantined outside of the United States and couldn't get back. His flights were canceled. And so we had to rematch that job. Yeah, because we had no idea when he'd be able to get back to the U.S. And in that intervening time frame, which was like a week, the construction site had a covid case.
1: Oh, no. So they
0: were not locked down for two weeks. So it was one of these where we came back in April, but it was a good kind of reality wake up call to us that it's not going to be smooth sailing there. It's like a roller coaster. There's going to be dips and turns and we need to be ready for that. Um so by now, we just started onboarding in the spring. Two more employees um, our head of product
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because we're getting ready to graduate from our incubator in May. And we said, hey, we need to have a month or two runway where this head of product gets in, understands what do we have today down to the nuts and bolts of how is it built? How is it coded you know, during the incubator phase?
2: Yeah. And how
0: do we now migrate that to fully owned by us and put together a product roadmap? That will extend us into really being a, an amazing platform. We, we knew again we were just still in the early days yeah. on the functionality.
1: Yeah, and uh, it, uh, everything you're saying just brings me right back to HBO Silicon Valley. You ever see that show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I keep love it. I, I said
0: we need a palapa. We don't have a palapa. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I guess just seeing Piper just going through my mind, I'm like, oh man, this is like Silicon Valley. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh-huh. Is just I guess without you guys living in the same house, right? <laughs> That's probably uh,
0: pretty much. It feels like it. Yeah. Then that was actually some of our questioning with um cor- with the quarantines and things starting to come on in May. We actually delayed it like a week or two because mm-hmm. we kind of felt like we were in the same bubble. You know that our families were not going out and doing. A lot, but I could come into the office and work with Michael and, um, Anthony, our new chief product officer. Um, he was, he was just getting, you know, his first two weeks on the job. So we actually had him write a blog about it. Cause it's like, how do you onboard an employee when it's all virtual? Um, and yeah. so, and he's a really great product guy in that he wants to meet with each employee or function of the company and understand what are your needs so that we can weave those into the future roadmap. Cause there's customer facing, Um, Functionality, but this inward facing too that will reduce the friction in our own internal processes and make us more efficient. So he's now just gone to doing those virtually via Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, And we started kind of challenging ourselves to look for the lemonade we could be making. You know, if we're going to be in this COVID environment, how do we turn that into a positive?
2: Yeah.
0: It's clearly brought safety and worker health to the forefront of the dialogue at a national level across every business and every segment. And so what we ended up doing was procuring a protocol uh, basically bought into another company's R&D on how to go address COVID in the workplace and get companies reopened. Mm -hmm. We initially were racing to get that to market in May and realized, oh, we don't have to race. I mean, it's out there. We've actually done revenue jobs under this protocol, but the reality is is we're going to be in this muddled environment for at least a year or two. And so it's it's a business opportunity for us. It allows us to have a conversation with companies that typically would never talk to us. Um, because they were more of an office environment or, or again, safety wasn't their number one concern. And but we can then nurture those relationships and and come back and maybe do their 2021 safety plan or look at what kind of certifications their workers should have and how do we go about um, putting together a safety training protocol for them. So there's future jobs that will come of this, and that's the beauty: is safety people always have their eyes open. They're always looking for. I did this job for you today, but by the way, I see two or three other things that need to be done. Yeah, and with our platform, they can request them by name and have them come back. Excellent. um, can say you know you really need office ergonomics i'm not an ergonomist but you know i saw five people hunched over it's not that expensive you should really use yellowbird and get somebody in here yeah um and so this this kind of is a virtuous cycle it leads to more jobs coming down the pipe
1: yeah so it sounds like you guys were uh taking these lemons and making a lemon flavored gelato or something because you're
0: yeah
2: (laughs)
1: you're going past lemonade you're you're really getting into this so that's good. And truly for safety and health professionals, we, we're we always looking because we can't turn it off if we wanted to. We, we try so hardly, uh, you know, in some cases to just relax. And here we are on the beach and we're like, dude, pool boy's about to get hurt because the way he's holding this thing isn't right. And so it's it's just stuck in our brain, you know, truly uh, the way that we, we think about it so much so that... It could now be leading into an opportunity for for you guys, as we, I would imagine, you you have a, a system so they could speak to you. So is that going to be a website? Is that going to be uh, monthly calls? How, what's the system behind that?
0: Yeah, we're trying to basically design in a multiple points of engagement. Um, the first thing is we are um, in process of developing our pro facing um, app. What we have today is the website, and the website has both. A page for companies to learn more and sign up. Mm -hmm. We also have a page for professionals to learn more and sign up. Um, And so today, companies can sign up and then they can, after the fact, log in and see their dashboard of all the jobs they've done. We're doing the similar thing for the professionals. By December of this year, we will have the Pro Facing web app complete so they can have it on their phone. We can expose all the data and certs about them, how many jobs they've done, what they got paid, what was the name of that company. Company, um, but also allow you as a professional to self-manage that data and upload new certs, change your address, change your email, change your phone number if you want. Um, and today we have to do that all ourselves, you know, manually on the process. So, yeah. so that's what we're doing, which is a big step next. And then as we go into 2021, we're working more on the matching algorithms behind the scenes. We're going to be adding more nuances. Um, so not just that you worked in mining, but are there particular types of jobs you enjoy? in mining mm-hmm. um, are there soft skills you love to deploy are there things you just absolutely hate um, so we want to make sure we're not sending you matches for things you absolutely hate doing yeah uh, because we're now getting to we have over a thousand professionals in our pipeline now we would have never dreamed that things would go this quickly mm-hmm. um, on the professional side so we we did an experiment in june which was post for free an ad on zip Recruiter. We had to turn it off one week in because we had 700 people sign up.
1: Goodness.
0: Um, So um, we've now said, okay, we know that's an effective way to reach people. Yeah. But we need to be able to onboard these people quickly within a month or two and not have them lingering for six months or 12 months in our pipeline. Um, So we turned it off. We're working through that bubble now. We've actually brought on more resources just to kind of onboard people. And then uh, we've also turned it back on one week last week um, because we're looking for specific industrial hygiene skill sets around those COVID protocol. Um, we do for that really tap into a high end, very experienced professional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they either need a CSP, a CIH, or a CHMM type of criteria. And um, that's so that when we ensure, because these labs are very expensive, that when they're doing surface testing and air quality testing, that it's done right the first time, and um, So by ensuring that level of quality, we also realize we probably need more uh, of this industrial hygiene skill set on the platform than what we have today. So we can we can use a um, advertising like ZipRecruiter to go pinpoint those exact uh, types of pros, but also locations around the United States. If we find that we're shy in a particular location, we can we can go after that.
1: Excellent. Uh, (laughs) Excellent. My degree, well, my bachelor's degree, I've got two, a bachelor's and, uh, and a master's, but my bachelor's degree is in marketing. And uh, from what I'm hearing, especially the way that your incubator works, is you. most people think of marketing as just a function, and truly it ends up being more as advertising or promoting is what they think marketing is. But uh, the... The heart of what you're doing is true marketing, understanding, and it's a science behind making sure that you understand what your customers want, and then how can you systematically deliver it from the first thing of seeing your logo to me actually in there delivering service, and then after, how am I going to have this customer experience follow so that they could feel like they did a good job, and they feel like they feel like they um, they don't have buyer remorse. We'll say it that way, right? Uh, so exactly. I'm looking through. And my
0: undergrad was marketing too.
1: <laughs> all right, excellent. See, we well, can. I all... love it. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: and it looks like uh, maybe it's it's from that that undergrad that you're 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 saying, and then also I know you're a venture capitalist as well. So uh, it seems like those two things uh, just meshed in this project. And uh, from from just a marketer to a marketer, uh, just the sound principles as you guys described, getting everything started, I believe gave you. the the framework and also the the foundation to build so quickly cuz most people will crumble either internally or externally with this kind of growth so i that's yeah. that's just my and outside I to- view
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of having Chad on our team as well um, as our kind of third leg of the initial stool, the founding team. He's well rooted in values and he pushed us hard on defining corporate values. I say corporate, we're three people and it (laughs) felt a little silly at the time, like, okay, come on. But um, we really kind of came up with a good set of just four or five values that um, really are easy to understand and remember, but also kind of speak to the type of culture we want to have for our employees. And then we've revisited that already once to say, now that we've doubled our team size, we're now up to seven employees. Um, does this resonate? And how do we make these more of a living and breathing part of our how we work and how we function? So at least once a month, we're bringing a value into our Monday's kind of staff meetings and dialoguing on how do we see this in action? Where are we doing well on this value? Where could we improve? Um, so there, there are fun things like be awesome or own it. You know, so if you say you own something, we're going to trust you know because we're a seven person team that you're going to own it, you're going to drive it, and you're going to raise your hand when you need help or you're mm-hmm. out of your level of knowledge on a topic. Um, asking for help from another team member is not a sign of weakness; it's a sign of hey, we're getting This thing to be so big is beyond me. Yeah. Um. So. So that's you know just an example. We. We one of our values that's really fun is keep it spicy. Um. We said that you know as Yellowbird we're going to be probably like a catalyst. We're the tiny ingredient that profoundly changes the makeup of something, and so we're hoping that we change the safety landscape across the U.S. Um, but we're not going to do that with a giant army. Um, initially, we're just, you know, in the hundreds, if not a thousand. Um, and so how do we do that? Well, we, by keeping it spicy, um, we can bring that unique element, the marketing, you know, that a lot of these safety professionals honestly don't have. They're more the, the engineering or conscientious type. Um, yeah. They don't like to self-promote, you know. So we're here to kind of get their amazing skills seen, viewed, and taken up by these businesses that need it.
1: Yeah. And uh, why Yellowbird? What was the, the catalyst of that one? Was that a tested name or is that something that was a a project or or something that you felt would really uh, would have some legs to it?
0: Oh, yeah. So it, it came out of the process with the incubator. We did have a different name initially, which was ZIP-EHS, um, connotating very quick environmental health and safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of gave us feedback right away that that's not a good name because eventually, you know, let's say five, 10 years down the road, we feel like we've exhausted the EHS market and we want to move into adjacent markets like risk management or life safety systems engineering or um it, you know, some things in the insurance space or ISO uh, quality assurance, mm-hmm. it, a name like Zip EHS is going to be hard to do that. People yeah. are going to be like, why would I use you? Yeah. Um, so they said, come up with something that's, you know, true to what you want your brand to stand for, but has more of that translatability. Um, and they said, you know, animals are typically coming at people with not a lot of bias. Um, so we, you know, and, and so also, we wanted a name that was very memorable. この<音楽> Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes startups give, you know, a name with X's and Y's and Z's in it, or they're spelling it some funky way. Nobody yeah. can remember it. Absolutely. Um, we thought Yellowbird's very easy to remember. It's high visibility colors of yellow and black. We love that it connotates that our safety professionals can take their careers to new heights and soar um, by helping use our platform. Um, and, and it connotates freedom. Uh, and so we liked all those attributes. Um, it does give a little nod to the canary in the coal mine, But we said we don't want to go really down that path because that's that's the sacrificial (laughs) animal. You know, we're not going to be throwing our professionals under a train and running them over Um, to see if
1: it works. uh, Oh, yeah. 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 okay. So so we kind
0: of just said it's it's a cute logo, but, you know, really, we want to lock in on the freedom because, again, if we do this right, the professionals are being put in the driver's seat for the jobs they want to take, the type of work they want to do, how much, how little, um, the composition, the travel, it's all in their hands of whether they say yes or no. And so we're really kind of giving that ultimate freedom to them. But enabling this gig work at 12 to 15x what an Uber driver would make. So basically, again, making it meaningful and really paying them for the skills that they've earned over their career.
1: Okay, that's excellent. And uh, that's that's a good understanding. I think, you know, dead on if you're stuck with EHS in the title uh, then truly that would pigeonhole you and then there's actually a, a zip um, method for zero incidences uh, so maybe that might might have also had a negative connotation to it for people oh, who don't okay. believe in in zero as a as a goal as a target for a, a lagging indicator yeah, so that that also could have saved you there <laughs> so, yes
0: thank you yeah we, we dodged a bullet
1: on that one <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely uh, one of the things that I I started mentoring safety consultants in 2013 uh, because of um, I teach a class called uh, Certificate of Occupational Safety Managers and then another one is a Certification of Occupational Safety Specialist and I'm just a I'm a consultant uh, or I should say consultant slash trainer and I'm hired uh, to do this as an as a independent person for a group called Alliance Safety Council in Baton Rouge and um, throughout the time as being an instructor, I've seen different types of people who've said, Alright, Sheldon, I am done. I love what I'm doing, but I want to branch out, and they have that little entrepreneur bug that just, just bites them, and they're thinking, Well, I know safety and I want to be an entrepreneur, so let me start my own safety business. So at this point, you know, I've seen a lot of people start and stop, and I've seen them, you know, transition out and come back. And some people are, you know, just going their gung-ho and they're doing it they're doing it for for several years now uh, i see some profiles of people that i i kind of hope that they get it along the way but uh i don't know i don't want to i don't want to wish ill on anybody but i mean i see traits that it says this if this trait's not addressed they're not going to be successful so you've been seeing this now in in a Bigger scale in a smaller amount of time. Have you guys been able to develop certain traits and skills, especially when you had the seven hundred plus people trying to uh, to get on board? What, what are you guys looking for to say yeah, if this is a good fit
0: for us? Is um, some of the concern areas would be around soft skills. So you know, obviously, these people walk in with a lot of knowledge and credentials, but it's also the way you convey that and the way you start building a customer relationship. Uh, with the client so that hopefully you're addressing these things in a trusting, productive manner. Yeah. Um. You don't want to come in as a know-it-all or be <sighs> abrasive um, because, again, then they're just going to be turned off and, and not listen and not deploy the safety fixes that they need to deploy. Yeah. Um, so that's been one area where we've kind of said, you know, we've actually had, I want to, not, not a lot, but maybe 10% of our pros where we've said we don't want them to make it through the pipeline and be branded a Yellowbird Pro because we're kind of a little bit afraid of they get out on the job, they're, you know, representing our brand and we want them to do a great job at it. Yeah, um, I would say the other thing that we see emerging is, again, this... Um, Lack of acknowledgement initially. And again, as they start getting into it, I think they start realizing it, that if you were to go start your own safety business, there's a big cost and investment that that takes. Yes. Um, You know, at least $15,000 of standing up a website, figuring out a logo and a branding, and how do you differentiate versus the five or 10 other companies that are locally? Because there's there's hundreds, if not thousands, of these independent safety businesses across the United States. How are you going to do lead gen? How are you going to get in front of your Customers um, and and I personally have been a consultant and ran my own consulting business, so I know you're constantly looking for the next five customers. Yep. And how do you balance your time between the prospecting and looking for those future customers versus? Serving the ones and doing the projects you have underway right now, and it, it gets into feast and famine mode where you know some weeks you're working 60-80 hours a week because you've got to wrap up a project, but you've also then worried about where's the next lead coming from. Yeah, um, and then it's you go some weeks cycle. where you're like, God, I only had ten hours of work this week. My God, this can't persist or I'm going to be out of work. Absolutely. Um, so we we look at this and say, could Yellowbird be that kind of equalizer of the of the demand? Um, again, continue to send jobs their way. We've also seen um recently where uh, amazing professionals that have had their own business say i want to bid on this bigger project with a much bigger organization and i am never going to get through the procurement supplier management process but if i go under the brand of yellowbird I, i'll get in because we have the larger insurance policies we we vet our people we have you know um the the W-9 and the certificates of insurance to prove that, you know, these are good pros. And by the way, they need to be part of a two or three person team. So we can put that team together using our platform, get them in there, have again, the company request them by name, but we're doing this under the brand of Yellowbird and the suppliers love it because they go, God, I used to do business with 10, 20, 30 different independent consultants over a year. Now I can lump all that volume through Yellowbird and now all that spending is compliant um, <laughs> with our corporate procurement processes. So, you know, they're, it's a win-win. Um, the pros, again, are still making a very decent wage and they're not having to do any of the overhead invoicing follow-up. You know, we had an onboarding orientation last night where one pro said, I typically get paid three to six months after the fact after I've done a job because I've had to play collections game and follow up with these people to get them to pay me with Yellowbird you get paid within 24 to 48 hours so you know just that alone they're like I don't have to stress and worry that I did the work am I really going to get paid
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I've been there um, I <laughs> I know that because I um, when you have to deal with cities and counties a bunch of my clients are cities and counties uh, so you have to go through their procurement process and truly like one city the mayor signs every single contract I give them and proposal I give them and it's just the process of going from step to step to step to get to the mayor and then comes right back down through all those steps to me and then after that I do the work and then I submit my invoice step by step to the mayor step all the way back to me and and so I, I do understand that and I live that pain uh, from time to time uh, so that's a, a great plus and it seems like for you to weed out um <sighs> the chaff from the wheat, if you were to say that, is uh, soft skills, but then also I would imagine that along the way, uh, you may end up having to... to... to differentiate your, uh, your mm-hmm. pros as uh, maybe a, a value system as stars or a color or, or something like that. Is, is that in the works or is that something we, that you do? We do did?
0: do ratings. Um, we haven't said that jobs are going to depend on it yet because honestly, the volume is so low again, like with an Uber ratings makes sense when you're doing 20, you know, drives a day
2: mm-hmm.
0: within a week, you get a hundred data points. Okay. If you have one bad ride or one wacky customer, you know the the data gets kind of sorted out in the large numbers um, the challenge we have with yellowbird is it's both quantitative and qualitative so we'll give the pro feedback of here's you know written in answers from the client on what they thought about your work your your professionalism your your domain expertise and the safety and and any suggestions they have for you to do an even better job Um, conversely the pros are going to review the companies so we're also going to start finding out which of these companies are kind of bringing us into rubber stamp stuff and which of them are truly doing the right thing with the reports and act you know again implementing the suggestions that our folks are giving so we will We'll do ratings. We'll see those. The pros will see the co. You know what they said about them, and vice versa. The co's will see what the pros said about them. Um, so there's transparency. But as of yet, we're not going to have the the criteria for matching jobs be set on that. It's more set on the do they have the certificates and the qualifications to do that job. And we start with local. Oh. Um, so we're starting to get, again, enough of our broad coverage across the U.S. where I would say 80% of our jobs could be done locally with no travel, which, again, is a savings for the client because yeah. they look at it and say, well, gosh, we used to think we'd have to go to a and agency who's going to search nationwide, and now we're paying $150 a day per diem just to get the resource here.
2: Yeah,
1: and that's, that's good because truly I, um, I know that you will probably be uh, thinking – not only you know keeping them local, but if they can actually you know a circumstance might be, I know this person in my networking uh, circle that now they're being coming coming from Yellowbird to us, but then also I may have uh, contact them with a local ASSP meeting or or something else, and now it may be a familiarity that word <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. So is that what you're seeing already, and does that enhance the customer experience?
0: Absolutely, um, because again, they're they're looking at how do we both build up our brand, but build up these relationships. And again, through the two-sided dashboards, allow people, if they like a pro, to go ask for them again by name. We're not here to re-architect, you know, relationships. We've seen a lot of our initial growth coming from referrals. So, you know, a a pro says, hey, I want to do the work for this company, but admittedly, my one-person company is too small. Let me do it through Yellowbird, bring on the other two people on the team. And now they're going to see how amazing the talent." is that's on the yellowbird platform uh, we're adding in this case an additional pro to our platform to, to round out the team because the person said I want to work with that person out of LA we said okay let's go ahead and get that pro from LA onto our platform they're doing this job together now but they may do two or three more together uh-huh. um, and again uh, we, we've done things like get on the supplier um, platform Avetta, which is one of the largest ones across the US uh, they have 350 companies that use Avetta. Um, um so we're looking at it and saying it took us a month and we had to get through 17 points of compliance we've done that now <laughs> so we're going to kind of now that we're in the tent turn that into, you know, kind of green space and really get out there and get the Yellowbird brand built up with the, all these companies that are in the Avetta ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and I, um, I I have clients, especially in my uh, my Disney clients, I'm in Florida, uh, that used Browse before and I believe Avetta took over Browse or, or bought them out. So I, I'm familiar with that system and to tell you the truth, they drove me nuts as a consultant. <laughs> the reason why is because uh, that particular product, uh, they were looking for just, it seemed like there were data entry people that are just kind of checking a list as you submit a written program or something similar to that. And they didn't understand the context of safety, so when I'm writing programs for clients and I'm saying this is what my clients do, sometimes they'll come back saying, well, you didn't include a scaffolding plan. I'm like, my clients don't use scaffolding. Just because it's in 1926 in construction, I don't need to put that in because they're never going to use this. So I ended up having to, um, to re- word a lot of these written programs to say if we were going to hire someone to do this job as a subcontractor we will make sure they follow this and then we uh, created a, a plan if you will and this would be the plan that would be for the subcontractors if my clients were to hire a subcontractor and then we got the little check of approval from the data entry saying alright it's in there now <laughs> so yeah. that's a system that just drove me nuts as far as
2: uh,
1: you know a, as a consultant but uh I'm hearing another thing and and you know I, I don't know how to pose this correctly but uh, for your system that you have in place uh, are you also creating an ethics system behind it to say hey it is unethical for you to go into this company through Yellowbird, and all of a sudden you're making a side deal to to you know have a, a branch off of this and and now uh, cut us out of it so is there like yeah, a we,
0: we ask our pros not to do that obviously because is then we'd be one and done you know they, they yeah. match once and then they never use Yellowbird again um, so we, we certainly can't stand up and run a business that way um, but it, what we're hoping that is we add enough value to both the professionals and the companies that they wouldn't want to do that that they'd say well it's just so easy to use Yellowbird why would we start circumventing that and have you on job number two now have to go through supplier management in my company um, or for instance the one that we just did the other day it won't a million-dollar minimum liability threshold, which, again, is an individual with your own business trying to go out and get that kind of policy. Yeah. is very expensive. And so that's now when you go, okay, starting my own business isn't 15K, it's 30K now. Yeah. Um, and so you look at that and say, I need probably five to 10 customers before I even break even on this thing. And I haven't even made a salary yet. How do I pay my mortgage? So yes, we do ask people that you know when you go out and you do the work, it's under the you know umbrella of Yellowbird. Don't wear your own Michelle's Safety Business LLC you know t-shirt because obviously it's very confusing to the customer. Well, are you with Yellowbird? Are you with Michelle's LLC? Um, And so we ask that we kind of keep that clean. Um, But you know, there's no way we could police this if we do find out after the fact that somebody's been a bad actor and you know they they did. job and turned around or even worse went out on a scope of work and oh the job fell through and then we find out three weeks later no it was done through the person on the side um you're going to be done on the platform. We kind of just have to do that um, because we, we do again, like you said, want to build up this community um, without also finding that it's it's a one trick pony.
1: Yeah, and then that just makes sense. And truly, it's not that I was thinking of being unethical in any way, but oh, yeah, no. But truly, I've I've uh, I've had people who are subs of mine in some in some aspect, and you know, uh, it's always up to the individual if you're going to to have a percentage. Out of this because mm-hmm. it's really just like a, a firm client basis at yeah. that point. Uh, but then uh, there's also that that mindset that says, hmm, "I'm here now. Let me give them slow on my card." <laughs> and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, it becomes an unethical uh, thing. Where therefore, uh, the agreement I would imagine somewhere along the line with your your terms of conditions, you might have some wording or something similar to that. Uh, yes. Just just to protect the the organization again from being one and done and uh, another thought that came to me on just you know I'm sorry Michelle I'm like just throwing all kinds of stuff at you yeah you know, oh, no. like, uh, because you know I'm living the consultant life and and I tell people now I'm unemployable I just you know truly I, I like being a, a consultant and you've been there too the
0: freedom is addictive yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and you've got younger kids than me when my kids were young I wish I was a consultant then uh, but truly it's a it's one Of the things that, when you truly get into the field and you experience it, and you're actually to start thinking about, hmm, well, first you got to break yourself of bad habits, (laughs) which is you know clocking in and you know hiding out for eight hours and then showing up. Hey, gotta go. Yeah, yeah, you got to break yourself out of that stuff. But uh, but when you truly know that, my my actual lifestyle depends on how creative I am, how much I work, uh, my networking and everything else, then that is in the planning. You know, you know <laughs> planning from one side to the next, you're constantly planning. You know, so it is truly one of those things that makes you feel good about yourself because you conquered this thing along the way. So with a partner such as you, being able to Take away some of the detailed work, uh, such as you know, like you mentioned, getting uh, your insurance. You know, I had to bump up insurance several times to deal with certain cities or counties or other private entities Mm -hmm. because you know they wanted the two million uh, policy, and I was like, all right. And then they wanted the uh, auto insurance policy as well to be a certain amount, and I, all right, got to do that. And you know, that's all money out of pocket. So you guys are providing that. So basically, let's say um uh, i start my my consulting business uh I see you guys or I hear this interview because, you know, my, my actual title is safety consultant. So people might be looking for that in, in uh, the podcast world. Uh, and now they're like, Oh man, I love that interview with Michelle. I've been thinking about starting my business. Uh, let me go ahead and get us started. And, uh, how do I, how do I now, you know, as a safety consultant want to be, uh, and really get into it? Not in a bad sense, but just in, in a hopeful sense. Uh, can they now truly say I don't have insurance all I have is my EIN number and in uh, my actual state uh, uh, I forgot the document number uh, so I actually have a business can they actually get on your doorstep at this point or they still need to Absolutely. have a certain um, we years. take
0: individuals and companies so that's part of our onboarding is we say how would you like to set up your initial profile
2: mm-hmm.
0: what I've seen a lot of is individuals signing up I'd say over two-thirds of our platform is just people who've had the inkling of, well, two to five years from now, I may want to run my own safety consulting business. So while I'm still in my day job at XYZ Corporate, I'm going to sign up and do gigs on Yellowbird on nights and weekends or call in and have a sick day and go do the work on that day um, and basically try it on for size. See if I like this. yeah, um, See what kind of volume is out there. Um, and, and so we onboard them as an individual. Um, if they already have their business in an EIN and a bank account set up for the company, great. We'll, we'll take them on that way. And then again, the yellowbird payments could be viewed as revenue and they can figure out what they want to call their um, salary versus cost, et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, we, we can take either type. And again, what we've seen for a lot of people is they say, well, I was going to go through the cost of standing up a website and branding and all this and that, or I could just keep doing the Yellowbird stuff. And again, over time, we know we're going to keep increasing the volume. We see where we started tapping into a lot of what I call like channel relationships with a nationwide insurance carrier who needs a fleet of people across the United States to go do initial risk assessments on pr- prospective customers. Yeah. Rather than go out and hire 200 people and try to train them all up on what they want, they can use Yellowbird on demand to, as the revenues come So they're paying real-time bite-sized pieces um, to go get that risk assessment work done and decide, do we want to onboard this company under our insurance umbrella or not? Um, So we look at that and go, those will be the customers that start generating very big demand very quickly nationwide. And that's one of our learnings from COVID was we were too mentally stuck in the notion of having to physically expand our company in three-person teams per city across the U.S. And it was going to take us years to get a good coverage level of Yellowbird W-2 employees in all these different locations. What we've started realizing is actually we can take customers and service them just fine virtually. Um, so we've had now more revenue outside of Arizona than in Um We've had two of our biggest customers with Louisiana, Illinois. Um, We now have uh, jobs coming through from the D.C. area, Florida. Um, So, you know, we look at this and go, as long as we give them (laughs) high-quality... High-quality Siri wanted to say something about that. Um, High-quality folks, you know, it it doesn't matter where they are. So I think that's what we can, again, use this to our advantage.
1: Excellent. And uh, for... I I did an interview. (sighs) Uh, I'm like on 84 now maybe interview 74 roughly was with uh, a, a guy from Mindtel, uh, Mike, uh, I forgot his last name, uh, Hartley, I believe uh, from, uh, from Mindtel. Uh, He was starting to create a COVID product from what they actually had with contact tracing and a few other things uh, in there and questionnaires and all that for the product that you guys are, are thinking of, You know, not to you know get under the hood and and really you know get disclosure too much than you're comfortable doing. Um, Is this something that you believe can eventually be? a product or a service or something that could lead to helping people or helping school districts come back safely or helping people create like the NBA did a little, you know, big bubble, but like you mentioned in the beginning of the article, the little mini bubbles that everyone could could safely say, All right, I could come back to work. I signed this agreement of that Yellowbird created for us as a plan and now from this plan we could all have an agreement that all right, we follow this plan, now we've created our own mini bubble, and let's come back to work. Is that uh, something that you're thinking of?
0: I fundamentally believe that if an entity deploys our protocol, it absolutely gives them all the knowledge of what they need to do to go run a safe environment. And our top customer right now in the space is Xavier University. Uh, Their president of the university is a former virologist. He knew how important this was to get it right. He specifically wanted a third-party company like Yellowbird coming in not his own staff, so there's mm-hmm. no groupthink or worry about. Well, if we, you know, cut corners a little bit or just do it this way, it's probably good enough. Um, no, he wanted that independent because again, he looks at it as an investment in their brand
2: mm-hmm.
0: as well as keeping their students and faculty safe. Um, so we've deployed our first round, which was to go in before the students arrived and basically test all their HVAC in the key key locations. I want to say eight different buildings. Uh, we then Recommend the filtration that they need on these to really be catching the virus as the airflow is going through the HVAC. Mm-hmm. That usually means a much more dense, you know, filter than what's typical. Yeah. Um, we're also looking at get do your airflow refresh rates within a space refresh the air enough times in an hour to be effective in knocking down the virus. Um,
1: Any UVC so we lighting you know, in there
0: changes. Yeah, What's that?
1: Any UVC lighting in there?
0: Um, no, we we haven't recommended UV lighting. Um, it's more the, you know, making sure the airflow is, is working. Then we also do the surface testing for COVID. And again, with this initial assessment, our hunch was that 100% of the tests will come back negative because, you know, they hadn't had anybody on campus. They'd just done a deep clean, but they had just switched to a new cleaning vendor that had this COVID protocol. So they were kind of like, this is a good checkpoint to make sure that that new cleaning vendor actually really did disinfect everything. Yeah. Um, So we now have that great baseline from our work in July. The students came back to campus August 10th. We go back in September. And this time the HVAC hasn't had any changes. It should be fine. We can again verify that they've increased the fan rates, changed the filters, that kind of thing. But really the focus for the September visit will be a lot broader coverage of the surface testing. So this time, now that the students have been there 30 days looking for are their hotspots where COVID is now turning up on the surfaces, we can now see where the transmission might be occurring um, and put more protocols in place. But what these entities get from our um, from our product is a 20-page or so write-up of step-by-step, here's engineering controls, administrative controls, the agency HVAC changes, the surface testing, so it it really does try to put together a holistic plan. That said, it's now up to the organization to go implement and do it. Yeah. So again, no report is worth its lick if they don't implement anything. Um, so this is where, again, I go, it's early days. I think Xavier takes it seriously enough. They've paid good money. They, they're going to go implement it, but we've seen some of the smaller clients where they had it done on their behalf and it's kind of mixed on whether they're going to really make any changes. So we're now going back and saying, let's go have a conversation yeah. about how serious this is because the report's only as good as it's written. If you don't follow it, you're still going to have issues. So that's where I think there's absolutely room in the ecosystem to say are there partners out there that help trace compliance to the plan once it's written? Are there tools and methods out there? Is there additional measures like UV lighting that could be implemented that will, again, add more layers of protection? Because we know, again, my background at Intel, it was always, you know, looking for redundancy in the safety mechanisms in our wafer factories because you'd never want to rely on just one thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's just too risky. And so you want to have these multiple layers, multiple checkpoints. And like you said, design in, you know, almost like pods or bubbles so that if you do, you've got a plan for when we have a positive. When we have a teacher or a student come down with it, what are we going to do? Um, And then how are we going to manage it effectively to keep it contained Um, versus assuming that, well, we'll put this plan in place and we're we're never, you know, if somebody, a vendor came in and said, oh, I have a fail safe, you know, 100% effective, you'll never have COVID. I'd say then they're lying. Absolutely. Because it's just (laughs) not possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's too many um, variables that are missing, as you know, for for any scientific method, you know, and and even marketing, where we know we're scientists in the heart of marketing. So any scientific method that you have to do, all these variables, the most very, most important variable that is the unknown right now, is uh, is the testing and the time frame within the testing, and since you don't have that to properly go through this process then you're only working on shifting variables and then now that we're finding out of you know micro droplets versus what we first yeah. thought was the big now we're like oh airborne <laughs> another variable threw in there so yeah. all these uh changes then can truly mean if you don't break it down into essentials and then you're going to have to really trust that the organization is going to do what you do because that's always a consulting sphere I've spent this whole time giving you guys a program that I feel is fail fail safe and I got my name on it because now you're going to say this is done by Sheldon uh, and you didn't implement it the way I said, then who's at fault here? So uh, yeah, that that's probably another thing that, that's going through your mind. Uh,
0: well, and that's what just blows my mind is somehow this microscopic, invisible virus has got the upper hand. It doesn't have a brain. It's not an organized colony. I mean, one virus to another, they're not communicating and somehow how the hell are we being beat by this thing and what it is is it's human nature because we want creativity we don't want to follow the same damn protocol every day that like gets so boring you know yeah. and so people just naturally start being human and forgetting oh well one day i forgot to wash my hands for 20 seconds it was more like 10 big deal and you're like well i didn't get sick i can wash them 10 seconds every time you know and so we just start slipping on some of these basics that if we would just work together and all pull on the same rope yeah, We'd actually lick this thing. It's not very smart.
1: Well, I just talked to someone in Canada and um, uh, yesterday, actually, and we're uh, doing some business work because my other hat is a wastewater operator. I've, I've been in the wastewater field for quite a while and I was in the environmental field before I got into the occupational safety field. So we're doing uh, some work on the, uh, on the environmental side and I just asked them a question. I said, for, for you guys in Canada, overall, through all the provinces, has it been... Everybody, you know, working together or has it been politicized or, or whatever with, with specifically with Covid? And he said, honestly there's been people who feel that uh, that some things are are Either too overboard as far as protection, but no one says anything. They're all pretty much uh, going together with with uh, with what what uh, President Trudeau is, is well Prime Minister right uh, Trudeau is going. So in that in that vein, I, I know that we're having a little little issue with that in America right now. And you know, to say that
0: we definitely <laughs> have high freedom caliber, <laughs> a high freedom caliber population or culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, and and it also. goes to another thing that I was thinking as safety and health, we truly are the ones who in the safety and health field we are saying we are aware of hazards and we're aware of things that need to be controlled through our hierarchy of control why aren't we involved more in this conversation so the epidemiologists and they need to tell us the nature of the hazard but then for us in environmental safety and health we take the nature of the hazard and now we select controls per each individual location and I went into an um, a actual safety council a few, a few like two, three weeks Ago, And all the employees had face shields on with no mask and that was their control. And I was like, hold on, <laughs> do you know what you're doing here? <laughs> you're truly just either dispersing uh, the air or you, cause you know, quite honestly, we know that with micro droplets now being in there, the virus bonds to water. So therefore that's why the droplets are the things that are, or need to be controlled. So, you know, they are spreading <laughs> the, the the disease, or they're funneling it into the respiratory system, you know. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, who did your your risk assessment here? <laughs> who did your, your hazard? Oh, but they're
0: here? like, but it's more comfortable to wear a face shield than wearing a mask all day. Yeah,
1: that was exactly the answer. The instructors uh, talked to the administration and says it is more comfortable for us. And these are safety instructors that are the most comfortable for us uh, to instruct with these things than our mask. And I said, well, that's not the only way. You, you could have distancing. You could cr- increase your airflow. You, could, you know, there's other things you could do other than, you know, no mask and a face shield or mask and teach. There's there's more methods to that. So are you, I don't want to get you off on a COVID-19 rant or anything, but <laughs> but I'm glad that you guys are addressing it as an EH and health, uh, EH and S problem and creating a, a solution so that it not only is it going to be branded as a Yellowbird uh, yellow uh, solution, but then also it's going to help everybody as a whole as well. So kudos for you guys.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just what we find it, I guess, advantageous the way we did this. By licensing it, we get updates from our partner. And they're constantly integrating the new advice from the CDC, from uh, the WHO. And so we're on Rev 12 of this protocol already. And they kind of told us, yeah, by the end of the year, we could be on Rev 50. You know, when things go from air conditioning to heating in the fall, all these HVAC assessments kind of need to be redone um, because these machines will behave differently. And Mm -hmm. so, again, we need to holistically look at this solution and not say, well, I put out a bottle of hand sanitizer and a few stickers On the floor, and we'll just clean the tables, bleach water twice as often. That's kind of guesswork, and let's make sure that we really, again, put some good science around this.
1: And there's scope creep. So, the person who's doing this, they may have a job description that says, I am, you know, the heavy equipment operator, or I'm, you know, someone who is the office staff. Now, you're asking me to do stuff where it's outside of my scope. I may not have the understanding of the hazard that comes with this new chemical, and then therefore, I now could end up getting arrested. Respiratory illness, or uh, some sort of uh, acute, you know, cough, or something, you know, blister, or something like yeah. that. So that scope creep is also dangerous in that case. Uh, so truly, it's one of the things that you, you got to think of. Oh, I. I, I I've got a, a course out there where I teach people. I call it the Safety Consultant Blueprint. So for just, it was from my my actual experience. So I'm thinking, all right, let's break this into step by step by step of how you become a safety consultant, and then from there, uh, each module, everyone has to do a homework exercise. So we teach them in the module, and we mm-hmm. it's me I teach them in the module, and then they have homework to do. So you know, here here's how you get an EIN, and I show them everything. All right, go do it. Yeah, here's how you do the risk of, all right, go do it. Uh, so in that in that vein of uh, actually doing a learning management system to teach someone along the way, that's giving them some sort of proficiency before they go ahead and be a consultant. Uh, but there's another side of it, which is the psychological side. And, uh, and I know since you're a consultant as well in the past, uh, what would you tell someone to do? To get over the psychological blocks, such as imposter syndromes or something else that I can't really teach in an actual physical course, I could give them like ideas and philosophies. But sometimes people have to go through it. But from one consultant to to many consultants, what do you feel? How did how did you get over it? And the reason why I asked
0: is I, that certainty. I have this question asked so many times. I actually have my go own little it. tagline: "Be your own best mentor." Nice, um, because only you and your brain are in. Every Every situation that you're in, learn to kind of not question yourself, meaning I have no self-confidence, but kind of say, why do I think that? And really stand back as a third person and look at yourself and say, is that a true, true? Like factually, I can go validate that that is true. Uh Or is that what I call the Michelle true? I've written a story in my head and I've totally believed it and run off a cliff because of it and yeah. realize oh wait a minute, I never stopped to validate is that belief I hold even true? Yeah. Um, I, I for instance was in finance for many years 18 years at Intel, probably the last three or four kind of asleep at the wheel at my job because I'd done it so many times, i closed the books every month, did an annual budget I, it was just like clockwork and yeah. I wasn't really thrilled with my work I never went to go use the marketing degree because in my mind, I had told myself, well, marketing people are on the road 80% of the time. I can never work in marketing. I have small children. My executive coach said, have you validated that? Have you gone and talked to 10 people at your level at the company to see what percent of their time are they traveling and how much of that travel do they control? And the answer was only two out of the 10 said they traveled 80% of the time or more. Really? 80% of them said I control my travel. I only say yes or no to the travel I want and especially after you're in a new role for six months or more you're driving the travel so you're deciding when and how and how much you travel so again that was just an example of where I debunked my own thinking Um, so yeah I I look at this and say if you can start getting that inquisitive nature of it's great and I also have always had mentors and coaches and advisors but also think about well it starts with me if I can't even question myself or spend time at least an hour a week thinking about how am I doing, how am I feeling, how could I be more effective? Are there barriers that are getting in my way? When was the last time I asked for feedback? Um, sometimes we're just running so fast we don't even ask. So it's yeah. like, okay, I may be doing something to a coworker that is driving him nuts. Maybe I need to open the door to them and say, "How am I doing with you? Is there things that can make us more effective in working together?" And they're like, "Well, I'm glad you asked. This thing you're doing is driving me nuts." And you say, "Okay, <laughs> well, great. I can change that now that I'm aware of it." Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it, it, I said, I guess over time, as you get more mature in your career, you get a thicker skin, Absolutely. Um, you know. Initially, you just kind of feel like any kind of feedbacks like bringing you to tears. But it's like, well, no, actually, they, they're trying to make me better. They're, they're, you know, the, the other phrase they would say is feedbacks a gift with no receipt. You oh. don't get to return it. So. <laughs> basically yeah, take nice. it and learn how to work <laughs> with it and, and turn it into something useful.
1: Excellent. And uh I know we're we're at the hour and I've been like giving you every everything from curveball to you know just throwing things in. Uh can I throw in one more before I just sure. my mind just kind of just starts thinking this way and uh and knowing for for you and and seeing your success and the way that you've come through through your career and mentoring and Angel Investor starting several businesses. So... Uh what do you tell someone that says, I can't invest that kind of time to do a, a project of that can give me some return, I would be excited and fulfilled by doing it. But I don't know if that's a, a, a trade off I could make for my family right now. Or I don't know if that's a trade off or I could do, you know, we call it the work life balance. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, what do you tell someone that that's Caught up with that part of the psychology, uh, the psychology that they're they're thinking: Am I going to get unbalanced? Or they're thinking yeah, other so things. To
0: me, I said, "It sounds like you're thinking you need to make a big, bold move. You know, I have to rip the band-aid off and quit my corporate job and go full time consulting." I'd say instead, think about how could I take a step or two in that direction. How could I learn more? Certainly, there's always time you could carve out. My development kind of framework or psyche was, you know, 80% of my development effort is on my job here and now doing my current job better because making my boss and my stakeholders happier is always a good good route to success. But then you do need 20% of that to be in kind of looking for the next thing, uh-huh. um, which is in me a two to five years out kind of horizon. What do I want to be doing next? Are there either positions at my company I want to be in in two years? What skills are there? Experiences do I need to be getting now to make me ready for that? Um, and even branch predicting two years from now, what skills are going to be important? Do I need to go build up those skills? And then the last thing is doing what I call primary researcher, you know, that 5% of noodling on the, where do I see myself five to 10 years from now? Um, ages ago, it was a, yeah, someday I want to be an angel investor. Well, it only takes a few minutes to figure out who, Who does angel investing today and let me go have a coffee with them? That's not a massive time sink. It's something you can fit in. Again, maybe it's a few weeks down the road or a month out in time when your schedule looks clearer right now and then block it and keep it. Because that was my other frustration as a mentor is if people would say, oh, tyranny, the urgent, I can't meet with you now. Let's reschedule. Let's reschedule. And they never keep their appointments for the mentoring and you're like how are you ever going to get better if you don't even hold your investment in yourself to the time on the calendar it's only an hour to a month or a week i mean it's not like it's the 40 hours so so really trying to carve that out and keep it sacred mm-hmm. um, so that you're not finding yourself in a sp- spot where oh now i haven't invested in myself for a year or two my skills have degraded or my psyche has degraded and therefore i'm in a bad spot
1: Ah, Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, any final tips to give to consultants before I get you to tell me each and every way we could reach out to you and and either become a consultant on Yellowbird or hire a consultant from Yellowbird? So any any tips or tricks you want to pass on to, to some of the consultants listening right now?
0: I'd say definitely try it on. Um, again, a great way to move in the direction of becoming your own consultant and running your own company is to start with Yellowbird. You know, I'd say, let's get us designed into your blueprint where, hey, you try this on while you're still in your day job today. Again, we're not getting so many jobs that they're gonna get daily phone calls, but you know, they may get in the first month or two, a job sent their way and they can decide, is this really what I want? When push comes to shove, am I gonna say yes to that opportunity? and try it. I said, you know, part of life is recognizing the big tidal waves when they're coming your direction and hopping on that, you know, and, and, and sailing into shore on that or, or saying no it's not for me let me pass let me kind of keep orbiting out here yeah. uh, waiting for the next wave so it's it's really that just take a step or two in that direction and try it out it doesn't have to be a massive move or quitting your job and you know burning the boat yet
1: excellent and then for uh, both sides of the coin how do people reach you that want to have a project through Yellowbird or people who want to be yeah, one of the
0: yeah the easiest way is to go to our website we're at goyellowbird.com and there's a whole page on professionals explaining what it's like to be a professional and then it says get started. And so you can basically sign up. It takes less than five or ten minutes. If they say Sheldon recommended me, Sheldon gets a nice little referral bonus. Um, so <laughs> basically, uh, you know, it's a it's a win-win. We're trying to, again, build a strong community here and that's what it takes is kind of everybody pitching in together.
1: Excellent, excellent. And then on the other side, if someone wants a project uh, that they want to go to you, is it the same website?
0: Yeah, same website. We have a company page. We also explain how it works and by filling out that, you can just fill out a company profile. You don't even have to post a job. Our sales resource Chris will reach out and kind of hear more about your company. What are your needs? Where are you at? Um, When do you think you might want to do Yellowbird? Half the time we find these companies don't know where to get started. They actually need us to talk them through scoping a project Um, because they're not used to thinking in gigs. They're used to saying, okay, I have to hire a full-time person in this location and you're like, okay, do you really have 40 to 60 hours a week of work or do you really just need X done? If you need X done, let us help you scope that. We'll put it on the platform as a a job. And by the way, if you find that you love that person you got, go ahead and hire them. We don't charge any hiring fees. And so basically, um, if it's a win-win and the employee and the company have found a great match, go for it. That's the beauty of using our platform. You can try before you buy on both sides.
2: Excellent.
1: And what about someone like me who, uh, from time to time, um, I... I have jobs that I need to refer to mostly I start with the students that have taken my course but then after that if they don't have the expertise or it's something bigger uh, sometimes I have to go through my full LinkedIn network and everything else to find someone yeah. that I could, could do can, can someone like me also uh, have a company it profile it takes you
0: five to ten minutes to post the job and within hours you're going to hear from us okay we've got three to five candidates here's their locations I onboarded a guy the other day and his whole specialty is radiation safety mm. Um, so, I mean, we—it's kind of exciting to hear the different stories, and again, it's almost like we're building a quilt with all these different <laughs> colors and squares yeah. and skill sets woven through it. But um, that's a great analogy. You know, I look at it and go, we can form the dream team for whatever project you got. I'm almost like I wanted us to put on our website. You know, I dare you, <laughs> I dare you to put a job that we can't fill <laughs> because yeah. we've got some amazing people on the platform.
1: Excellent, excellent. That's that's good because sometimes I do need to branch out and my my immediate network. I can't get it through. So then I have to start spreading out to other people to say, hey, I, I, either this is not my expertise and I'm not faking it. My, my, my insurance is too much to me. I'm not faking it. So I'm going to pass this to someone else in that case. Uh, so that, that helps to know that I, I could also utilize the service as well. Yeah, to or get I say something. run
0: us in a horse race. While you're doing the five hours of LinkedIn research. Put the job on Yellowbird and see who comes back with a fit better
1: or quicker. Ooh, look at that A challenge. Michelle laying it, it down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of the show. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Sheldon. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Have a great day.
0: You too.
1: Bye. Welcome back to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I. Uh, I'm so happy that we went through that whole episode with Michelle, Michelle Tinsley with Yellowbird. It was uh, just really nice to get a good understanding of what they do. I've kind of heard about Yellowbird a few times from uh, LinkedIn, and I was able to really uh, get a good understanding of what they do, how they do it. And then also a few things about the company itself that was really kind of cool, the way that they... Uh, for me, it's cool. <laughs> I'm a marketing geek, so it's kind of cool for me. So just understanding the way that they tested the product was really cool for me. And I say that word because it is. I, I am a marketing, just one of those guys that really get into that stuff. And that's why I chose that degree. So truly, I uh, think with the barrier of entry that they have for becoming a safety consultant might be a good way for you to kind of dip your feet in there and just really, you know, see how you like it and do it where it's not going to be where you have to all or nothing. You know, some people are just all or nothing. I'm getting into this thing. However, if you, let's say you were laid off and now it's truly... I've got nowhere else to go, I've got safety knowledge, and I have great experience, you may have a CSP or a COS or a COS-M or any of the other designations out there for safety and health, and you know that people can use your experience and you want to do something that's a little bit more outside of the realm of just trying to find another safety job, go ahead, come and try uh, she said that she's gonna also give the audience a hookup there too. Uh, so we weren't sure what it was gonna be. and uh, later on and talking to each other back and forth on LinkedIn, she says that she's gonna give you guys two fifty off of, of when you actually register. So if you just mention safety FM, you have to go to GoYellowBird.com, dot com, mention safety FM, and once you do that, you're gonna get two fifty off. So come on, two fifty. I'll do that. (laughs) So it's awesome. Go ahead and uh, do that. And I don't know if people are thinking, how am I as a safety consultant going to lead people to another safety consulting company? I'm, I'm okay with that. And the reason why is I personally believe in my heart of hearts that it is enough business for everybody that not only wants to get into it, but has those safety chops that they can get into it because truly not everyone can stay and have a sustainable safety business and I understand that so I know that it's not going to be everyone that's going to be getting into this so I'm okay there too but those of you that do have a real good understanding about safety and health and you have the safety chops, as I like to call it, to stay in the business, then I'm okay. Let's let's spread the wealth. Let's spread it around. Get everybody in there that that can help someone because my voice isn't the voice that every client wants to hear. I may not be able to reach certain people. Uh, So in this way, with a collective of different talents, different uh, abilities, then therefore... They could reach other uh, clients. I'm okay with that. Doesn't mean like it's money coming out of my pocket or or they're stopping me from doing my business. So I will endorse Yellowbird right now. Uh, as as I see it, I like it. So go yellowbird.com. Uh, just mentioned Safety FM. They're going to give you a 250 discount there by just saying Safety FM. You yeah, referred. So go for it. All right, so let's get into the tip of the week. So the tip of the week is truly goes with what I was telling you just now about uh, starting and getting your business going. Some of you now with COVID-19, you've probably been faced with a few things, one of them being, I have just lost my job. I don't know where to go right now. However, I do know that I still want to stay in this field so look for a low barrier of entry. So yellow bird is that low bar- uh, low point of entry right uh, there's another way of doing this which will be talking to family and friends and seeing if any of them need safety services or let's say the person or the organization that just released you they may still need some safety services done so therefore your low barrier entry can be, getting that referral. So get that referral in so that you can actually be able to talk to someone that you know that knows you and they're willing to go ahead and let you get a chance to get your foot in the door and get that work in. Uh, I've got a course that you all know, the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. Uh, Take that course and it will help you where you can actually be able to do some of the things that we've been talking about in this interview, you know, you want to get those proposals out there. You want the proposals to look great. Right. You want to know how much your pricing is worth for your services. You also want to know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Those are some of the things that I point out in the course. So get that information in. So now, when you do get your foot in the door, you're going to give them a well worth proposal that is going to get you a new client. Another low, low barrier entry point can actually be looking through your OSHA website. You want to do an establishment search. So let's say you got a a news story that came out and now you know a company's name. Do an establishment search on OSHA.gov and you want to be able to look for that company in your state and make sure you find the right company. And then reach out to them. Say, hey, I I might be able to help you. And the person you're going to be looking for is the safety coordinator. And if they don't have a safety coordinator listed on their website the next best person that you want to talk to is either the operations manager or HR. If they have risk, risk will be even better, but uh, those might be the ones that will be able to understand what you're saying and the services you're going to offer, but you'll find them through that establishment search because OSHA is going to give you the person's name if they're actually you know, currently being investigated or have been investigated and then also you want to uh, be able to reach out to them by an address and OSHA will have that too. They don't have contact names so you might going to have to do a little bit more research for that one to get the contact names and that research is going to come on their company website is generally what you'll do or LinkedIn find the company name on LinkedIn go through the list of people that are on LinkedIn Find the safety director, HR, risk management, ops, and uh, then go through that person. Connect with them, and like I've always said, don't just connect and all of a sudden spam. You know, don't, don't do that. That's not good. You want to connect, and then after you connect, you know, truly you want to help. So find out how you can help through a series of conversations with that person. So that's another way of getting in. Another low uh, barrier of entry. Where you could just hop over that little barrier and get into the safety consulting field. And you'll see, I've talked about this several times throughout our, what, 85 episodes, I think we're at right now. Uh, But another way of doing this is through networking and physical networking. However, you want to get decision makers. So you don't want to just go to any networking meeting. I hate those things. I really do, but if you can have access to a decision maker, all right, now it's worth it a little bit. So how you want to be able to have access to the decision makers, have them come to you. So what you're going to do is volunteer some time, teach a pertinent topic in Occupational Safety and Health at an association meeting or something like that. And now, if you go in there and you're actually the speaker, people will start coming to you. You keep your card with you. And uh, I would always say, make a business card. And when you make your business card, put a QR code scanner on it so someone could scan that number right there, right then, and get you in the phone. It's better than even having a card. You want them to actually get it, get you in the phone, or you say, hey, what's your email address? I'm going to send you a a little message uh, regarding what we just talked about. So now they don't have to worry about it. All they need to do is give you their card with their email and then you write right on the back of that card you know, Sheldon needs help with OSHA 10 or Sheldon needs help with uh, an informal conference whatever it is and then uh, that day or the day after do it real quick, you don't want to have too many days pass that you're going to go ahead and respond back to that person All right. so that's the uh, the key to making sure that you you make the most out of getting your business started you want to get a low barrier entry so that it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to get in there. And then... If you're ready to just go part-time, working off to full-time, go ahead and use a service, right? So yeah, go yellowbird.com could be that service for you. And then just go ahead and tell them you heard it from me, the safety consultant, Sheldon Primus, on Safety FM. So as soon as you hear that word Safety FM, it's going to trigger that uh, $250 bonus for you. So you're going to get that discount. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that discount for you. All right you guys got this get in there get your business going all right i will speak to you next week have a wonderful rest of your week go get them
0: this episode has been powered by safety fm